Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Hinesh Kalyan, Director of Data Science at Man Group, the London-based hedge fund that runs $127 billion of client capital. In our conversation, we discuss Man's relationship with alternative data, including how many data sets the firm can review in a year and how the task of uncovering alpha is changing. In other news, two dates for Londoners' diaries. Thursday, October the 21st, we'll see an alternative data live event in Brick Lane in association with the Alternative Data podcast. And on Tuesday, the 26th of October, I will be on a panel discussing is alternative data still alternative in Shoreditch. Absolutely. Um, so Man, Man Group was, I mean, funny enough, Man Group was founded in 1783. Um, and, you know, it started off as a um, sugar shipping and sugar broker um, during the, um, those times and around the war. Um, and um, our initial offices were at um, Sugar Key, so down at near Tower, Tower Hill, Tower Bridge. French, um, and, French and, in, no, not French and Indian War, uh, 1783. So it's before, oh, it's the, it's the War of Independence. Sorry, I'm being very yeah. slow, is it? Yes, okay, lovely. So we okay. started as, um, if you, you could call it commodities in some sense, but like physical. Um, but I mean, fast forward, um, uh, centuries now and um, what we're we doing right now um, so Man Group is um, a publicly listed um, company we are a FTSE 250 company um, we are the largest publicly listed hedge fund um, globally um, and we uh, we essentially an investment investment management firm and we're running uh, around 136 billion dollars under management um, as of recently um, and Man Group is you can think of Mangroup as a as a blend of different types of investment management styles. Um, so we've got um, quant and systematic trading, which trades you know, multi-assets, uh, mul- multiple securities, um, from derivatives all the way to physical um, commodities in different regions. Um, We've got a discretionary business, which is called GLG, um, which does a, a vast amount of different things and more on the discretionary side. Um, we also look at a fundamental bottom-up um, uh, quant equities and credit. Um, we've got a global private markets, which um, look at um, private markets or private equities, mainly real estate. Uh, and we've got a fund of funds business. Um, so quite a broad spectrum for, uh, for clients to pick and choose from. You're gigantic, is the answer, um, and um, and yeah, and 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 um, and listed, which is important as well in terms of in terms of um, well, in terms of visibility, but also in terms of accountability. I would think um, correct that yeah, you have to you have to um, you have to show the working sometimes more than more than others. So that's uh, that's an interesting part of being a hedge fund, but. Um, Cool. Well, thank you very much for that. That's a good. That's a good taster. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about you then, Hinesh? Before we go any further, um, you are the director of data science um, at at Man. Why don't you? Um, why don't you just talk me through how how you got there? What, what was? What's your journey been? Yeah. Um, so I I'm South African born. Um, I um, did my university in South Africa. I moved to the UK in 2004. Um, and I started off coming, well, the reason I came to the UK was to do this two-year working holiday visa and try to work part-time and travel Europe. And I got stuck into finance. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I was at JP Morgan around that time. Um, 
and uh, from JP Morgan in 2007, 2008, I moved to trading um, credit. So um, funny enough, subprime mortgages, CLOs and CDOs at a small credit hedge fund. Um, and uh, lo and behold, Lehman's happened, and they went bust. Um, wow! So you were you were trading you were trading subprime mortgages. So how much how much do you feel how much do you take responsibility for of what happened? We were small. I'll say we were small. Okay. A small a small fry. It wasn't, it wasn't mainly you. Okay. No, no. But I distinctly remember. Um, uh, you know, at the time it was quite painful, and you know, we're just looking at cash balances and uh, margin calls from the from from our brokers, our prime brokers, and very stressful time but in hindsight probably the time um a period that i learned the most in my career i think what was the moment what was the moment hinesh what was the moment that you realized this was big when we started getting margin calls which are way above um what we thought the market value was um you know 2x 3x um and and when we seen um valuations write-offs going from you know 80 to 90 cents to the dollar all the way down to two cents to the dollar and um that's when things at that time took a turn and um was it was it was it all over the papers by then or did you get a did you get an early early warning no it was it, it was we've seen valuations creeping up we didn't get like a like a really early warning we've seen valuations creeping up um interesting enough we also had um lehman brothers as one of our prime brokers so wow. um you know, when things really kicked off, uh, it was all about, you know, what what's our cash balance? Where's our cash? How do we move cash? Can we move cash? Uh, do we have enough cash to pay margin calls? Can we liquidate our portfolio? Um, and um, it's a weird feeling because, you know, I, rem I recall sitting in a row of desks um, and I was on all the way on the on, on, on the right hand side and the, the phone started ringing of each person on the left of me. And um, wow and going to the office and um, pretty much being told that the company's liquidating and being redundant. And, you know, you, you, you get that feeling when I, I distinctly remember the feeling I had and I thought, I can't be me. I'm definitely not going to, not going to go. And then the phone just rings and um, it's, uh, you're all going. Yeah. It's, it's a very um, sad moment, but you know, in hindsight, like I, I learned, I learned a tremendous, a tremendous amount from it. Did um, it feel like, did it feel like the end of the world? No, it, well, at that point, yeah, it did. Um, we, and, and it was, it was a time when I I was still on a work permit, so I lost my work permit. I had a couple of months to find another company that would sponsor me, and luckily enough, um, that's when I joined Man Group um, in two thousand and nine. And I joined Man Group in, at AHL, so their systematic engine, um, as an investment analyst. And um, the team I was in um, managed AHL's quant models trading system and they looked after when we say new research implementation looked after the configuration of the models and the markets and the funds into the um, into the trading system or the algos and my close interactions with like research teams and like passion for finance drew me to the quant aspects of investing to be fair and after a few years um, if I take you through the journey I like I began sort of working on finding methods to systematically trade alternative markets. So we're talking about, um, you know, how do you trade coal, electricity, um, freight, um, and but, but trading them in a systematic way. And that's when I started using data um, because we had to, there was no sort of, um, you had to get a lot of the 
prices for some of these commodities from shipping brokers like Clarkson, yeah. for example, and you're getting spot prices, and then you're creating some time series out of that to look at forward curves. So that's when I started really getting involved in 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 in, in data. And I think, um, this is a, I think I think this is a common story. I think because I think I feel like commodities is often a gateway a gateway drug, perhaps because of the um perhaps it was early in terms of usage as well for, for commodities but maybe there's something about you're trying to predict you know oil prices um over in a in a kind of relatively short term and so it lends itself to trying to think of ways because it's such a it's such a specific measurable quantifiable exactly. uh, problem and then you're just there's just this hunt for data to try and to try and uh, add to throw in more factors into this into this into this problem so yeah absolutely I, I, i've come across that before like commodities i see it's very real like you know there there is a they they supply and this demand and what's going on in both aspects of that and um you know it's not it's not very speculative at times like you know there's a lot of um economics and macro factors that go behind it um and and um yeah so then so fast forward a bit um well let's 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 dwell just for a second in terms of so you were you were that was probably then are we are we saying this is your first exposure to alternative data as a, as a thought and what what kind of alternative data were we looking at yeah so i, I wouldn't say it depends on what what the term alternative data was at that time but mm. we were looking at the data we were looking at were not um they were financial data, but they were electro say electricity spot prices. And you've got electricity spot prices um, from commodity um, firms and um, or brokers. And what we're trying to do there is then start sort of stitching them up to try to create some return series and forward curve to see whether you can trade um, futures or or forwards on those on those markets. So. Are we talking literally kind of technical analysis of seeing which way every time the the electricity spot spot um, prices have gone in this way in the past, then it's continued upwards or it's gone downwards, and so you yeah, can trade predominantly, off that. absolutely, yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, predominantly, it was um, trend following. I mean, that's that, that's that's yeah. that's the um, the bulk of what AHL did around that time. Um, okay. So it does a lot of um, it does a lot of like econometrics around that um, time series forecasting um, using a variety of different types of inputs um, and you had to I would say there was alternative ways to capture some of that information because we had to at that time even scrape some data from um, from spot exchanges um, to to collate that data because it wasn't readily available mm. um, so 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 that's kind of where we started looking at different types of data. We can scrape things, you know, off we go. That's, <laughs> exactly. That's the beginning, wait, that's it. It's like once you've had that, then alternative data is almost a, an easy follow type thing, isn't it? Exactly. And then you can think of it as, we, you know, we started looking at temperature. You start looking at weather. You start looking at um, um, natural gas prices. You start looking. So then the evolution starts in terms of um, going more, alternative if you want to say it away from the traditional um you know market prices or fundamental data that you'll typically get so as is so often the case then um uh, the early alternative data usage often is do it yourself it's it's scrape your own stuff and then and then be using that to 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 trade off it it, it feels like the same realization was happening all over the market uh, i mean 
in at various times the same realization was kind of hitting all over the market that you could you could scrape things in order to 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 complement your 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 investing and your trading um did the were you buying any at that stage or was it was it all do it yourself um a lot of it was do it yourself um around that stage and this is like you know 2009 to about 2012 i'd say um and then we started looking at um you know more timely information so what is it that we can do from a um macro point of view at that time so we weren't we weren't um we were doing sort of cash equities around that time but um not in in, in size and we use a more we use more traditional approaches but we started looking at you know macro data and what can we get um that is a bit more timely than your typical sort of quarterly cycles of gdp and started partnering up with a few providers around that time which did a bit more sort of intra-quarter forecasting using a collection of different data points that they may have scraped also and we started that's where we started going out to externally and, and seeing what's what, yeah. what is out there that we can complement what we have internally is this more for um fx or are you still on commodities at that point no we started looking at um so the, the, this this had um you could use it for fx yeah it was more around um you know bond futures um because between the bulk of what AHL trades um, around that time was uh, derivatives. So, um, you know, European bond futures, um, Italian bonds, um, but you could also then utilize that for FX pairs. So if we're in 2012, then we are in the middle of, of the debt, sovereign debt crisis. No wonder we're, we're trading Italian bonds right now. It's, um, it's, so there's a lot going on in Italian bonds at that point. So is that was, do you feel that was opportunistic? Um, were you, were you, Will you pull towards it by what what's going on in it? Is and is that is that a if so is that a common thread that you're pulled towards kind of where the action is? No, not necessarily within, um, especially in the systematic case. So um, a lot of the risk management in terms of where the action is um, would be done internally within the model. So we'll try to keep, you know, um, faith in the models in terms of the back testing and its capability to manage risk systematically in events of volatile periods. Um, so typical quant cases, you know, the law of large numbers and on average, if you get more than 50% of more than 50% correct, then, you know, you're going to make money in a, in, 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 in a, in a broad range of pool of assets and yeah. diversification is key at that time. So we, we systematically risk manage, um, uh, we capture, you know, again, data, a range of data, uh, which can um, forecast volatility and that's, and positions and so forth are scaled based on you know, the portfolio you have and the changes in the dynamics of volatility. Got it. Okay. Um, I interrupted you. Um, no, that's fine. Telling, telling your story. So, um, so <laughs> let me, why don't, why don't you continue doing that? No, no worries. Um, so, so I, I, I started, you know, the passion for me was new markets at that time. And, you know, like I said, finding new ways to trade very esoteric alternative markets. Um, I, you know, I did a two year secondment in commodity quant research, led me to completing a, um, a master's in financial econometrics. And I really was drawn to the quant side. And um, in 2017, I started I formed um, AHL's um, in what we call investment and data implementation team. Um, and this is a team of, you know, variety of individuals ranging from computer scientists, finance professionals with statistic backgrounds, and they were integrated within the research sectors. 
and we started thinking about right we are doing we're using alternative data we're using alternative data in pockets um, but within AHL, it was quite difficult to know who was using that, what was it used for, where, what, the, um, what the benefits were, and whether it could be used in different types of asset classes. So if our AHL equities team was using it, then you know, does our macro team know, our credit team know, our volatility team know? And we started thinking about what's the best way to sort of create a proof of concept to centralize some of that and create a specific specialists that are dedicated to alternative data or new data. So the story is that alternative data by this point, so you'd, you'd kind of come across it in, first of all, in your commodities thinking within, within man, but also um, in, in various ways as you went along and, and presumably across man in the different departments, everyone is, is, is increasingly finding external data that they've either scraped themselves or, 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 or bored. Um, useful in their different sectors and so your realization around 2017 was um we should be we should be organized about this we should we should be thinking of um alternative data as a kind of company-wide resource rather than each team out for his own to to see what they get because presumably there was a risk that one team might be buying stuff which another team already had or 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 that kind of thing yeah yeah that that and and um you know sh sharing ideas um you know being a bit more smart at the way we we evaluating alternative data should we um you know look at, at at consolidating some of our efforts and create a specialized team that is dedicated to this that can make it a bit more scalable um and 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 that's where we spun out I mean, at that time, it was AHL data science as a proof of concept. I'm using a few individuals from my from my from my other team, implement the implementation team, and we did it. We we started it off as a POC. I I'm a big fan of pilot projects, so we paired a few of these individuals with research heads and created like a six month pilot to, to see a couple of things. Like one how does this work from a workflow point of view? What's relevant to the researchers? Where do you draw the line between quant research and data science? And that's another challenging topic. You know, you, you want data scientists to do what they do with the data, but then you want quant researchers to focus on model building and backtesting where possible. And what are the skill sets we need to create a some form of a data data science team? Yeah. Um, and that, that, that went relatively well within AHL. And then, um, in 20, well, last year, January, actually, um, I got asked to look at um, this across man group um, and mm -hmm. look at the synergies of data science across man group. And, um, you know, from how do we source and find data? How do we ingest data? How do we build a platform to um, evaluate and store and transform data and catalog data? And that's where man data science was born um, and launched in Jan 2020, which, um, which, I'm a, which I head up as a um, as, as director of data science. And this is essentially a specialist team that is, is part of our investment process. Um, and they look at all the areas of you know, the so-called data, data supply chain. Um, but more importantly, they also look at ways to build data products and data science tools so we can gain a competitive advantage. And that's what we've been doing quite, um, that's been our focus for the last 18 months uh, specifically. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, excellent, so we're up to date. Let's go back a little bit to, well, I mean, in general, actually. Um, so a broad question about um, this, because you are essentially, you're the data science team. So you are the kind of central um, uh, column within which all the alternative data that, that the man group will use kind of, um, you're, the, you're, the, you're the guys who, who understand it best and can crunch it and, and do all the rest. Is there looking across 
um, the usage part. Is there a um, common theme to the types of alternative data that the different parts of man group likes to use? Is there a part that you could say we that is really good for all the teams? You know, is there is there a type that's most popular? Yeah. Um, so in terms of, I think there's no surprise that that, that equities, um, quant equities, or even discretionary equity investing, is the asset type that um, is most broadly where, where alternative data is most broadly used. And I think that's just um, even if you look at the supply of alternative data, a lot of it is targeted to securities. Um, yeah. So across across main group, if we think about you know the the quant teams, the fundamental teams, and what we're doing with the with the discretionary area is um, we we have. Uh, equities or alternative data that relate to equities as being the common theme now initially or historically over the last five years i think it's no it's no surprise that the consumer space has probably been the biggest and the most common denominator um yeah. you know ranging from you know what what is what are consumers doing on their phones on their smartphones what are they clicking around where their spending habits um, and that's been that that's been a common theme across 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 Mangrove and across across the across the community in alternative data over the last five years, I'd say. Um, sure. But 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 on, on our side, what's what's interesting is that, and this is where I think that the centrality of having a data science function helps is, you can start thinking about the applications of that in different asset classes now you can cross over with credit you can cross over with sort of fixed income you can start aggregating looking in the macro sense you can start looking at uh, em debt for example so so the applications start expanding quite a lot but it all starts off and started off within the equity space so are we talking about it all starts in the equity space absolutely are we talking about a data set coming across um man groups bows it's, it's come coming through the front door and then it's in the data science team and at that point you probably you got it for a for an original um use perhaps it's it's quant equities or, or or something else but then your team has its hands on it and you're thinking what else can we use this for maybe maybe we can wave this in front of them maybe with a bit of crunching it could be useful for i don't know a macro or a or a or, or, or you know a different a different department within man um so you are constantly looking at thinking of ways to 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 make the same data set useful for for the other parts are you yeah absolutely and this is where there's a partnership between the sourcing team and the data scientists um and the sourcing team really engage with with our investment teams not just the quant equity space so more broadly and these these individuals are um you know they interacting on a daily basis understanding whether it's kpis the portfolio holdings um they bringing data sets in they speaking to vendors they speaking to third parties they speaking to our data scientists to understand you know the, the pros and cons of different data sets evaluated and then it's 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 a lot about like you know funneling or, or, or pushing data set ideas or ideas to these various the uh, various teams um and that happens like very iteratively we we constantly speaking to 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 our investment teams from quant equity all the way to our real estate and, and private markets teams would you say the question would you get a question from an investment team saying 
we want to answer this question. Can you find us the data set to, data set to fix it? Or would you tend to instead get the data set and see what you can do with it? No, so we, it'll, it'll, it'll always be, well, the, the bulk of the time, it's a bottom-up approach. So we would get uh, investment teams would, um, would have a specific questions. So we will get more specific questions from uh, discretionary portfolio managers. So they may be interested in, um, you know, something going on in California in terms of polls, maybe between uh, Uber and Lyft, for example. And, you know, we'll mm. try to sort of look at the sourcing team, we'll start working and find, finding out what, what is it that they can get with the data scientists. Um, there's times when we look at big themes. So why don't we try to tackle and understand the healthcare space or the semiconductor space a bit a, a, a bit better for the quant users. Um, then there's times where we'd look at it more from a, a landscape. So let's dig into China alternative data space and let's understand that from a data science point of view and then pitch ideas to investment teams. So there's a bit of a combination. Most of the time it's a, bottom-up approach i would say roughly 30 percent of the time we are doing things a bit more proactively and and and, and pushing ideas out are you able to talk a, at all about the drivers which might which might push you towards checking out china particularly or is there like what 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 impels you to think about healthcare or china is it no i mean keep, keeping it high level like what the, the drivers are so if we think about a certain sector like 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 healthcare you know, we'd, we'd we'd look at initially and this is where i think the scouting piece comes in and you've got to tie what's work and what's not work based on all your all, all the evaluations you've done and if we if we know we've exhausted a certain sector like consumer and we're looking at you know what's the biggest sort of you know sectors by, by by market cap you know do we really understand another sector really well and is that you know maybe may, maybe healthcare and what is it that we can really sort of um, look at and 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 which vendors we can partner up with because we've got the capabilities now we build a platform which you know can really work quite well with non-time series data very unstructured data we've got nlp platforms baked into it so it's 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 driven by what's worked what's not worked what's what may be interesting and how would that how, how big of a of, of risk capital is allocated to a certain sector on the china side it, it it's more aligned with where we think um um priority parts of our business Ah, so if, if if we if we know that you know, um, like AHL, for example, no surprise that we've um, you know we've been um, investing in in China for 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 a while, and um, we've got an onshore presence there, and you know we've recently got the QFI license, and being a bit forward thinking there and thinking right, like what what is it that we can do to really utilize our capabilities from a data point of view, and let's start looking at China a bit more in detail, because the dynamics of that region is fairly different to the western world and um and and it, different things make it tick and you know, the, the localized vendors are, are like we say more important than um uh, and more accurate than um than some of the western vendors that are trying to target some chinese companies so it's it's in it's it's more in partnership with where our priorities are as a business um and it sounds like it's a kind of natural move like that's where the company's going that's where the business is going so it, it feels kind of almost instinctive to be going in the same way as kind of that's that's where we're gliding towards altogether a little bit 
Absolutely, absolutely. Now we'll always have we'll we will always look at speculative things. We I mean I think it's always important to look at speculative things. Um, and so we're, so a proportion of our data sourcing team and our data scientists at times are doing a lot of speculative um, uh, research. So should we be looking at um, uh, um, curating our own content? What does that mean to create your own content? And 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 trying to sort of see whether there's anything valuable there or not. Um, when you, so when you come across a data set, there are obviously uh, lots and lots of data sets and growing, um, out, out in the market, there are different ends of various spectrums, but let's say you've got perhaps some of the most ordered data in terms of perhaps credit card transaction data might be, might be kind of the most traditional and the most ready to use perhaps. And then you've got the most speculative new forms, which you have to do a lot of work to make it usable. Um, but there may be incredible value, which no one else has seen that's in there. Would you position yourselves as uh, a buyer of, of data at one end or other of, the, of that spectrum? Or, or what, what is it that you would position yourself as buying? What, what would define yeah. you as a buyer? That's a good question. So, um, and I, th I think this is where the platform capabilities come in because what we've, what we've done or what we've been working on is the ability to quickly assess and screen very well type structured data. We ideally we'd like data in this rawest form, right? So um, we wouldn't go for your aggregations. Um, but if it's like a, like a typical credit card transaction data data sets, you know, we, we'd have the platform a platform that can easily ingest, map, store, perform some analytics and alpha screening on the top of that within a day. Um, so we have a very high level overview of that. And I'd rather than not have my data scientist spend a lot of time on that, and I have automated reports popping up. Um, uh, but and I'd rather have them spend their time on the challenging ones because I think that's where I mean, that's where it's less crowded and probably the golden nuggets maybe. And um, and that takes a bit of time, but like a very challenging data set may take up to a week and a half or two weeks at times to untangle but and 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 fight, see whether there's any sort of alpha in it um and i'd rather have them spend their time with that um and build the tools in the platform so that we don't have to repeat ourselves again so if we come if we've got data sets which are non-time series they nested JSONs, for example and we're just trying to fiddle around with it all the time it's no point so we try to automate the tools for the next time uh, so it's just streamlined and um and it's easy to work with but the answer is you're you want both. It's just quicker when it's ordered. Um, and uh, but you want you want both because you want to you want to see everything. Is that is that the case? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to give you to give you a really really rough idea, you know, we 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 review up to fifty data sets a quarter. Wow. Um, and and the, I think the the main reason for that is. One is a scale game, but two is that we built this platform and the capabilities to work with very extreme, you know, ends of the data spectrum. Could would you be happy to tell me what percentage uh, get through the net, get through the get through the sifting process? So we uh, we it broadly ranges. I mean, quite above the average. Um, roughly, you can get twenty to thirty percent at times. Even more, um, depending on the on whether it's you know discretionary or quant application, um, 
but on average there's a there's a fairly high success ratio there that's very very high much higher than i expected that's a, that's a lot of data sets but uh, man group is huge so so i shouldn't be surprised um what and um would you say uh that you're buying more data sets uh than you were in the past or fewer you know, we, we are we are buying more um we are buying more because we're seeing applications in a variety of different areas within within man group and um i think just the centralization or specialization of a data science team within man group has opened up doors of for, for many investment managers to start thinking of ideas and playing around with data and that's given them easy access to to information to to you so um it's definitely more um and you know we 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 have been seeing an upward trend and you know with that with those success ratios and the continued kind of evaluation speed uh i'll be surprised if we don't continue to uh, to purchase more mm. Um, and what do you see as the biggest challenge at the moment? Here we are in, in 2021. Um, what is the, what, is there, is there anything which is like, um, you wish there was more of perhaps in the, in the market or the, or is there a, as a problem that you're struggling with or, or anything along those lines? Yeah. So I think the biggest, um, so the biggest challenge, um, is that it's getting very crowded, um and you know over the last year and a half with covid and so forth like a lot of people are picking the low hanging fruit right so um you know 5 years or 6 years ago consumer transactions for example may not work as well as what it used to work 5 years ago um and you know everyone's a lot of the data sets are becoming more packaged and easily accessible so you will tend to see crowding and where where times alpha decay so i think that's probably the biggest challenge i have and i think this is where you need to then start thinking about uh, being a bit more smart and 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 more de- have more depth in what you're trying to evaluate and how um for me that's the biggest challenge and like if there's one thing that keeps me up at night i'd say it's i'd say it's that because we have seen um, various forms of data sets which which worked two three years ago are not working well now mm. but are new ones coming to take their place not not quick enough let me, let me put that not quick enough i mean there's a lot of data out there but um uh, i think it's getting i i think that success ratios are going to going to going to drop in general across the board do you think there is it's 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 it it, it can be said that um it used to be that you could just find the the value in the data. The data was there and you just needed to find the right data set to, to kind of extract the value. But now it's about being a bit more clever with the data sets, perhaps by, I don't know, combining them or perhaps by thinking a little bit harder about the questions you want to ask the data. Would you say that that's with that, that you found that to be true as well? Yeah, um, totally. Um, I, I can't agree with that more. Um, it's, you need to you need to really put context around what you're trying to do and why and i think this is where some investment knowledge is needed um you know where it's it's not as easy as just like you said taking a data set and assuming that it's going to sort of forecast this kpi and let's just move on um it's not as easy as that you need to understand the fundamentals you need to understand the market microstructure and macrostructure you need to um understand 
even poke holes in the data, not accepting it for just what it is. And then think about it more laterally and think about the entire, you know, um, maybe if it's a company, then think about the entire supply chain that makes up that revenue. Think about the linkages to outsourcing companies. There's a range of things that you need to start considering to sort of bring it all together into one ecosystem. And I think that that's, just, it's almost like it gives you this information advantage rather than just looking at it in independent slices. Yeah. I mean, from a functional perspective, then that sounds like it is about really trying to either create incredible communication between your data science team and the portfolio managers, or at some point, well, either turning your data science guys into portfolio managers or getting the portfolio managers really good at do, doing data science. Do you think, uh, do you think one of those, which of those futures is likeliest? Is, does that sound right? Yeah. So I think it's, um, uh, I, I look at it where you'd want portfolio managers or analysts um, have access to data in a very easy form that they can combine, link, tag, uh, forecast. And, and I think this is where you need to get the foundations all correct. And you know, part of the data scientist team is to look at the entity tagging, look at the linkages, making sure that you know, if a portfolio manager is looking at a certain stock, he gets the entire ecosystem around it. Um, I, think, um, I think trying to have portfolio managers working as data scientists may be a challenge. I think mm. providing the tools and providing the um, uh, almost like a traffic-like system for for portfolio managers, and let them focus on what they're good at in terms of the you know picking stocks, and giving them more information and more tools to um, help them make the decision is 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 is, is, is will, will is more important and will probably add more value. Interesting, interesting. Um, and as you've talked about, you think alternative data, um, well, as is a, is a common thread, that alternative data came from the consumer sector. Um, and that's where a lot of, a lot of um, we've seen, you know, restaurants and counting cars and parking lots and things like that. There's lots of ways that um, it's been strong consumer. Where do you see it going, um, perhaps from a, from a, from a sector wise? What do you see as the coming sectors uh, or the or i mean or you can open it up to you know the where's alternative data going what's the future of it so i think um i mean in terms of in terms of sectors it's a it's a difficult one to pick pick what's the next one uh, i i think supply chains a very interesting one and i just think that that touches a, a vast amount of of sectors um i think there's there's there's, there's a lot of opportunity in healthcare um by the way um i um telecoms is another one um, but more broadly, if I'm talking about just the theme of where, if, if you think about alternative data, I think if you think about unstructured data, you know, the bulk of the world's information is in text, right? Like we all know that. And, and um, you know, the ability to be smart at capturing text information, you know, transcripts, audio transcripts, podcasts, interviews, expert networks, and trying to sort of, capture that in a machine readable framework or format and make inferences based on that and complement that with additional information is where I think you can be really powerful at. Um, and, and I think, I think we'll, we'll start seeing a bit more of that 
coming to market and not just your news analytics or news data or news feed data data sets or social media i'm talking about like you know actual expert interviews expert networks you know interviews with physicians interviews with you know key mm. individuals in certain sectors and areas that are driving you know um certain certain products through the market um that's where i see um opportunities in the future so it sounds like what we're talking about the future of alternative data essentially goes uh with at the same speed as the technological advances that we get with nlp um the, the more advanced NL, nlp gets at being able to um extract uh numbers from words and and be they spoken or written um is is as, as much as we can um will be the the speed with it, with which alternative data develops is that is that what you're saying yeah i i think so and i think i think i think also if you're looking at just not just NLP, but if you're looking at where um, um, technology is going, and I think you know, the more you can crunch and 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 capture vast amounts of data, unstructured, also storing it and having these pro and a variety of computations on the top of it, you start building an ecosystem of information. And as soon as you have this ecosystem of information, there's a lot of interesting forecasting that you can do, a lot of interesting algorithms you can do, a lot of interesting ways you can see, you know, what's working, what may not be working, what's changing dynamics, what's inf what's affecting another data set for some reason. Um, and, and, and I think you, you start getting a lot of interesting ideas on how you can use all that information, especially if you can start linking them all together. That's fantastic. Final question. Uh, who would you like to hear from? Um, would you like to hear from anyone with an alternative data set that you might be interested in that they should they should fire in your direction? Or do you or do you go and find your own, you know, or, or do you, you don't you don't actually welcome people throwing data sets at you because you're because you feel very confident about going into the market? No, 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 absolutely not. I, 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 I actually encourage um, people to come and talk to me you know okay if there's if there's there's not one person but if they if they are if there are firms out there that have not worked with the investment and, and, and investment management team is not as yet or have not sort of um, are afraid of approaching an investment management team and they think they have some 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 you know data and they're just not sure how to crunch it and how do you make it applicable in the investment management side please do come and chat to us you want the untouched, pure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dream. They don't exist anymore, Hinesh. They're all, they're all gone. <laughs> I still Sounds believe it. I still believe there's something there. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, good luck. If you're listening, um, pure person, then, then, then get in touch with Hinesh. Um, Hinesh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been a really interesting conversation. And, and thanks so much for your, for your candor and your insight and, and your experience and your knowledge. So um, much appreciated and, and, um, and best of luck with the, with the data science department. Now, Mark, thank you so much for, again, the opportunity. I really um, enjoyed the conversation. So thank you. Fantastic.